All right, hello everybody and welcome to the first edition of Social Night where we will be exploring something that the host picks, whether it's an episode of TV or a movie. But for this first one, we're gonna be talking about an episode of Community. That episode is season three, episode four, and it's called Remedial Chaos Theory. And that is the one that I picked, I'm Maddie. We'll go around and introduce ourselves. So, Jeremy, why don't you introduce yourself? I appear to be Jeremy. I'm Jeremy. I'm the station, or what am I? General manager here at the Impact. I'm Olivia. I'm the marketing director at the Impact. I'm Sana. I'm the operations manager at the Impact. Hey, I'm George. I'm the assistant operations manager at the Impact. And like I said, I'm Maddie, and I am the events director at Impact, and I picked this week's episode. So if you've seen this episode, or if you want to wait, go watch this episode, then listen to this, feel free to go do that. But I chose this episode because I think it's one of the most like perfect episodes of TV I've ever seen. I think it's just hilarious and so expertly thought out in everything that happens basically an overview of it the tv show itself is about a community college and about how a study group becomes really close friends and it's basically a comedy just like a quick 30 minute one on nbc that ran for a while and then this episode in particular is about a housewarming party in which the six different timelines or alternate realities are created based on who has to go downstairs and get the pizza and something happens differently every time so Initially, what are your initial thoughts with this? Well, I was pretty excited that you picked this show, and I thought this episode was a really good one to pick for it, too, um, because it just really highlights how ridiculous this show could be, but it also really set up a lot of the relationships between the characters and really uh, gave you a feel for how they interacted with each other. I second that, because I think that's what stands out about the show compared to other NBC sitcom the 2010s. Um, whereas a lot of other sh- um, situations and characters reacting to them, this show really prioritizes the characters. And e- each of these characters are all very distinct, but how they how they interact with one another, and more importantly, how they act when one person is missing from the fold, which is the focus of this mm. episode, I think. I would agree with that. I've been a fan of Community um, since it was first airing, and I still watch it to this day, you know, Um, so I just watch repeats, and I agree that it's really driven by um, the characters, and that's really evident in this episode, Um, and I'll echo what George says. It it says, uh, it shows how um, the group would interact, um, or how things uh, could go, um, you know, badly if just one member wasn't present um and that's sort of the message of the episode um what i think is interesting is that um the uh original timeline or the best timeline that um you know you're supposed to think that comes out of the show is when um jeff sort of the leader of the group um ends up leaving to go get the pizza um and it shows what would happen if he was not there um and it's a happy ending. So that's a little bit, I don't know what type of commentary that's trying to have um, necessarily, but um, it shows that sort of the star of the group, the leader um, is maybe the one that they rely on the least because um, they each have their own distinct personalities that maybe are sometimes overshadowed by Jeff. Yeah, I see that completely that Jeff is not really like he is kind of the glue that holds everyone together. He's the one that brought everyone together in like the pilot episode, but then 
watching this, you're like, oh, he does kind of like control everything around him. So when he's not there, people are kind of free to be themselves. Yeah, this episode really exposes like what role each character plays in the group dynamic. And coming from only having seen the first couple episodes, like it was really like it made me wonder a lot about what the evolution of their relationships was in all the episodes that I didn't get to see because yeah, like it really exposes how things work in their group. Something that I think is interesting, I don't know if you guys are aware, and I don't mean to bring in um, other shows to this, but the creator of Community, um, Dan Harmon, um, actually also created Rick and Morty, which is another really popular show right now. And sort of the premise of that show um, sort of centers around the possibility of multiple timelines, different universes, parallel universes. Um, and I just think that uh, that's interesting um, because you can sort of see the creator's um, you know, uh, creative sort of choices and in his mindset and sort of his themes that he gravitates towards in both of these shows, um, you know, when they are such different shows. But they're, you know, that's something that I think is interesting too. Yeah, when I started the show, the person I was watching it with said the same thing, actually. They were like, did you know that the writer of the show also wrote Rick and Morty? Another show that I haven't seen, so. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why it's like, kind of explains why they kind of delved into this like community has a lot of different episodes there's like i consider the show to be so inventive like for those who haven't seen it all the way through there are episodes where they do like a claymation episode and then one episode they're all cartoons and then one episode it's all like made up scenarios in their head it's just all completely different so doing this whole like idea of creating six different timelines it was just like completely invented of, inventive of them to do that and to just like replay the same three minute scenario and how it could change in a matter of just like three minutes. Right. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Jeremy. Okay. I was just going to say, I feel like that's done more now in shows, but when this originally came out back in the what late two thousands, it was um, like uh, 2011, I think when this episode came okay. out. Yeah. But it was like one of the first shows that really was more of a commentary on TV and pop culture like that, you know, you yeah. didn't see that too often. So every, and like you said, every episode, uh, or there were a significant amount of episodes that really played with different genres. And so you'd have whole shows that were just themed on one sort of, you know, uh, like a documentary style or reality TV or something like that. And then the next show didn't, you know, go back to that at all. So that was really interesting to me. Yeah. I've heard community referenced as like, it's a parody of a sitcom but it's not a sitcom. It's just like making fun of them and like being a satire in that. Yeah. And, and yet it, it still adheres to like very strict rules of sitcoms, I think, or at least it's own, you know, the beat of its own drum, because like we were talking about earlier, yeah, it, it replays essentially a three minute segment six or seven times. But um, with each time they, they set up these like pieces that play into each of the scenarios. For example, Britta keeps on trying to sing to Roxanne and Jeff keeps on cutting her off every time. Uh, Annie has a gun in her bag. Uh, Pierce wants to give Troy a housewarming gift and depending on the scenario, it does give it to him or doesn't. Like these, all, all these pieces come together in very different ways depending on what happens. Like it's, and then times it's funny, like the same scenario, like Annie and Jeff having that, that very awkward to watch tension. Um, <laughs> like no matter where they go, they end up still having it. So I think it's it's really really fun just the way they they commit to these rules, but they find ways to make them engaging and interesting. I would. Agree. 
Oh, you go ahead, son. I was going to ask a question. So if you had something more related to that, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just wondering, like, in the show community, do they, like, kind of use that awkwardness a lot? Like, is that a theme in every episode? Because I felt so awkward watching this. Like, I watched it twice. And even the second time, like, I was physically cringing so much. Like, it really is, like, an experience to watch. I feel Were you like- cringing at them? Or what do you mean? Um, yeah, like, the, like, awkwardness between Jeff and Annie, and then the way that Britta acts, like, singing Roxanne, and when she comes out of the bathroom and she's, like, dancing and saying she's so hungry. Like, it's all, like, very, I'm like, is she, is she being ironic? Is that her actual personality? Like, this is very weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, like, there were, like, the one that I was thinking of when you said making me feel, like, so awkward was when... Jeff and Annie are in the kitchen and she's like, that's just something my dad used to say. Yeah. To me. I was like, mm. so I wasn't sure like, is like, were they trying to say something about the type of character that Annie is or like, was the goal to like further, like send us into this awkward feeling? Yeah. Yeah. I, I did purposely, I feel like do that awkward bits, but maybe they're trying to say something about how like, well, like, Annie is super young. She probably has daddy issues, and mm-hmm. Jeff is considerably older than her. So there's that right. big gap, and they're trying to show that, maybe. They do use that dynamic between Jeff and Annie um, <clears throat> in a lot of episodes. It's a, a recurring theme um, that they sort of have some unspoken sexual tension. Um, so I think that they sometimes use that if we're going back to this um, uh, sort of conversation about how uh, community is this large satire, you know, in many ways. And so I think their relationship is supposed to really signify um, sort of the sexual tension relationship that is um, sort of a staple of sitcoms, the will they, won't they, but everyone knows in the end they will, you yeah. know? And so I think that it's sort of um, playing on that by being so stereotypical, young, beautiful woman, a little bit older guy, you know, and um, all this awkwardness around it, sort of making fun of um, how to, how other TV shows handle that sometimes. That's really interesting that you say that it's a satire because I watched the first episode and I kind of like made a comment about how stereotypical some of the like archetypes they paint are because in the first episode, Britta is like, the classic, like, standoffish, feminist, like, mean, pretty love interest. And I was like, wow, like, I thought the show was supposed to be, like, cutting edge or something, but here they painted this woman exactly like every other woman love interest in, like, a TV show. I think Britta was one of the characters that they they recognized as they made the show. They're like, mm, like, we're not really doing what we could be doing with her. Because, yeah, like you said, the first couple episodes, Britta's very much just, like, like a sarcastic counter to Jeff with Mm -hmm. that, like we said earlier, will they want the attention? And then by this episode, yeah, she's slapping her stomach and saying, me so hungry, me so hungry. Mm -hmm. And like, I I don't know how they settled on where they sent Britta, but I'm glad they did. (laughs) Just because it it really helps her like come on, come into her home. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Sana, you watched, uh, what, the first two episodes, right? And then you yeah. jumped into this one in the third season. So, uh, besides Britta, have you seen a lot of character development in any of the other characters or ones that seem a lot different than those first couple episodes? Um, well, it was 
I guess, like, heartwarming to see Abed, like, become um, a part of the group that's taken seriously and not just, like, the the caricature that is, like, the butt of the joke. Um, it's good to see that he's, like, actually a valuable part of the dynamic now. Um, Jeff seems to be pretty much the same, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's the main one that stands out. They do stay, the rest of them still stay pretty true to, like, the the big themes of their personality, like being old and not PC, like, things like that. Yeah, yeah from, from what I remember, that was about right. It was really, really, Britta was the only one that kind of grew <laughs> much, mm-hmm. and, and then the others, we just found out more about them that kind of reaffirmed uh, their personalities from when we first met them. Yeah. I was going to say, I think Troy's character development kind of happened in the first season. It's just very quick. So if okay. by the time we get to the third season, that's just how we've always seen him. But because he was like in the first couple episodes, I remember he was more standoffish and didn't want to be friends mm-hmm. with anyone. But then like within that, by the end of the first season, he becomes best friends with Abed. And then this episode, obviously they're moving in together. They're best friends. They do everything together. So well, yeah, um, earlier with George, I was talking about, like, the idea of alternate realities and timelines, and obviously we're in such a weird timeline, and I was talking with him, and I was saying, I think we're in the timeline where Troy went to go get the pizza, <laughs> and he was like, no, 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 it's got to be Abed when he went to get the pizza. It's, like, kind of bad, but also, like, we'll get through it. <laughs> yeah, I like, the something I like about this episode is that um, it's... Oh, true theory. I mean, it's a true um, scientific theory that some people have that, you know, um, <clears throat> is explained sort of really simply in this episode to somebody who wouldn't maybe otherwise understand chaos theory. And, you know, the premise is basically anytime you make a decision, you know, or that could go one way or the other and rolling a die is one of those decisions. It could go one of six ways. Um, then, you're creating different timelines and it shows how, you know, depending on what occurs, you know, how things can shake out so differently. And that's something that I think is interesting about this episode. Like there's so much TV that is based off of bunk science or things that aren't true. And I mean, that's not to say that this is a true, you know, fact that, you know, this is what happens, but it is a, an actual theory in physics. And I think it's explained, you know, really, um, really concise and easily for people to understand. Yeah. Do you guys think about this theory? Like, not as a theory, but in your day-to-day, do you think, like, oh, if I did that one thing differently, like, this would have been different? I think more in terms of, like, this. I don't think about necessarily my own choices, um, because I think that many versions of myself would make the same choice, you know? Um, But... I definitely think of, you know, when I'm rolling a die or, you know, um, flipping a coin. And I personally, personally believe in, you know, that there's a million alternate universes. And I personally believe that I am not the original Olivia, you know, but um, lots of people would say I'm crazy for that. But that's that I do think about this a lot and not just this episode, but with Rick and Morty as well. And um, just with what I know from reading and science and I believe in multiple universes and I, I definitely believe that we're creating them all the time. There's nothing you can do about it. And um, 
I think it's really interesting, but sometimes I think it's comforting because I think, you know, maybe if I'm not doing so good, there's another Olivia out there who's kicking <laughs> right now, killing it. <laughs> yeah, that is comforting to think about where it's just like, maybe I'm not doing well, but other Maddie, she's doing great. She's probably living her life. I sometimes find myself thinking about this where I'm like, man, if I, I like, you know, if I hadn't made this decision, you know, where would I be? Um, but usually I like that, you know, it's kind of in my head and it's quickly discarded because, you know, just try not to have regrets, just you make your decisions and live them. But, uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's fun to think about what's, how zany would I be if I, if I never worked at the impact, for example, you know, stuff like that. That's interesting to think about. What if we actually did fire George that one time? <laughs> That would be the darkest timeline. <laughs> we would be in the darkest timeline. Yes. Yeah. The only thing lower, or the only thing that could be worse than the current situation we're in is if I wasn't working with everyone. For sure. I was expecting. I was expecting more laughs there. <laughs> we're on mute. <laughs> well, I'd appreciate a pity laugh on mute to see. <laughs> you know, <he's> like, <laughs> there you go. That's your pity laugh, but. I know. I think about like, oh, what if I didn't make this decision? But then I also think about just like the minuscule things because this one really shows yeah. like, just like such a tiny thing as like who goes to get the pizza and is gone for three minutes. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I. Sorry, go on. I, I was. No, I'm all good. Go ahead. Oh. Um, my friend was expecting two different job offers this last week. Right. One of them. They were like, he got an email from the company saying we would like to talk to you. And then they talked and they offered him a job. And the other company was saying, yes, we're ready to offer you. We just need to check your references. So wait a couple days. And in the time that it took to finish checking his references, coronavirus struck chaos, wreaked havoc. And the company said, hey, we're sorry. We were totally ready to give you this offer. But now that this is happening, we can't anymore. So it's things like that that make me think like if the third reference had set up a phone call 24 hours earlier, would this person be living their like future in Boston instead of Chicago? Like little tiny things like that can make such a huge difference. I think about this when I see like, like a car accident or something like that. Like, Oh, if that person who's in that car accident, if they had left, 30 seconds later from home or, you know, if they had turned left instead of right, you know, they would not be there. You know, that's the sort of stuff I usually go to if I see, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that it's really dangerous sometimes to start thinking that way. And I used to think stuff like that all the time. And especially with car crashes, I had some friends um, when I was uh, a kid, even in high school, who were hit by cars and um, a couple um, and died, you know, and that's what you think of. And you start to think, what if I had called them and they left the house, you know, 30 seconds later because I they had to pick up the phone, you know, and um I, I don't think that way anymore uh, because I think that it's detrimental, you know, and, and it holds you back and it, but <clears throat> I do think of it the opposite way sometimes, you know, I think, shoot, I just ran a stop sign because I'm, you know, daydreaming right now. And thank goodness because that nobody was around because if somebody was, then, 
something terrible could have happened. And I think about how different my life could be um, because of, I mean, even with traffic stuff, I'm sure that we've all done things like that where you just do something and you realize it right away as soon as you run that stop sign um, and how things could have been so different. Um, but you're lucky thing. It goes the other way too. It's not just the little things that change that make things completely terrible. There are little things that happen all the time that make sure that your life keeps going on great. Yeah. And I feel like that just leads you to understand that you can't give yourself so much credit for the things that happen in your life. Like either way, whether things go poorly or they go great, like you only have like a tiny, tiny little amount of control over that. Um, like depending on the situation, but there's like a hundred thousand different factors that go into any singular thing happening to you yeah. again kind of comforting yeah I completely that's not on me yeah well, it's just like it's just the world continuing to work as it should but like I am kind of lucky in that I'm kind of like unlucky in that like whichever way mm-hmm. but yeah but yeah I just George are you raising your hand <laughs> I, I do have a question for the group okay go ahead um, so I after rewatching this episode, I started watching more of the episodes of Community, um, specifically in season two. So a little bit before this, but after they had pretty much established all the characters fairly well. And I was watching my roommate, and uh, a lot of the, jo- at least for him, he told me he was like, "This feels very dated." Like he felt like he, even though it's not that old, he felt he he struggled to kind of identify with it or find out its groove. So I guess my question is. Do you think? Do you all think the community has aged well and will continue to age well? I think there's like certain aspects that have and certain aspects that haven't. I think a lot of the jokes were topical for its time. Like they, one of their things that I love that they do is they make a lot of references, like to pop culture, and they just call people by like a celebrity's name and make fun of them. So I think it could be a little dated in that sense, but. Well, I, I watched it when I was on air, so I feel like I identify it with it more just because I watched it so long ago. I would agree with Maddie. I watched it when it was on, too, and I'm, you know, at the right age where I still understand all the jokes. And I guess when I was watching it, it had never occurred to me that I thought that the jokes were old or dated. And I'd be interested to know a little bit um, sort of which uh, topics he found to be dated um, because it's really never occurred to me and I can't think of an example myself. It, I guess to that point, just, uh, and, I, and I, if I try to make a ref, uh, an example, it'll be a wrong example. So I'll just be vague. Like, you know, if they reference a celebrity who is maybe prominent in like 2008 or 2009, but you know, now it being 2020 when he's watching it for the first time, it doesn't really make a lot of sense or connect right, right the same way. It's like watching an old episode of Mystery Science 50,000. You know, if, if it's a movie that is set in the 40s and they're doing commentary on it in 1983 and you're watching in 2020, you kind of have to do your best to put yourself back in both of those time periods to get all the bits. So it's, it was akin to that. Yeah, I was going to say in one of the episodes, I thought of like a kind of example maybe, but it was like in one of the episodes they have LeVar Burton on And I feel like for people who maybe didn't grow up watching PBS or a bit of the younger generation, they don't know what Reading Rainbow is. So they don't know who LeVar Burton is and they wouldn't get that whole episode basically because that's like a big component of the episode where uh, Troy meets LeVar Burton. So sad. I love LeVar Burton and I love Reading Rainbow. People need to know about that. I know. It's so good. They should bring it back, especially now. (laughs) Well, he has a podcast now 
called LeVar Burton Reads, and so it's meant for adults, and he reads, like, short stories to people, well, uh, which is fantastic. Out. So you should check that out. I will. Um, we should bring it back for the kids. <laughs> Get LeVar Burton campaign. <laughs> but, yeah, I just wanted to, I guess, talk about my favorite bits of the episode. I feel like there are a lot of just, like, funny bits that I love every time I watch it. i watched this episode so many times. But, like, it still gets me every time, especially, like, when Troy comes in the bathroom with Britta and she's smoking the cigarette and he's like, Britta, I'm old enough. I can smoke a cigarette, too. And he brings out a candy cigarette and just eats it. (laughs) Light it up. Can I I tell you a candy cigarette story? Yeah. This is very relevant because uh, the other day I went into a uh, liquor shop and it was a certain liquor shop that happened to sell candy cigarettes. And so... I got some and so I had them in my hand and there was someone outside, you know, just asking for change. And so, you know, I, I gave him some change. He's like, Oh, Hey, hold on. Can you, do you have any cigarettes? Can I get one of those cigarettes? And I showed him my pack of candy <laughs> cigarettes and we had a great laugh and he did not want one of my candy cigarettes, which is good because I didn't really want to give him one of my guarded candy cigarettes, but yeah, they're still around. <laughs> I remember. That's so funny would never let me get them like I would have to like go on my own to go get the candy cigarettes because she was like no 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 that's bad like, you can't promote that <laughs> like, it was so good and then also I loved the pizza guy being referenced throughout the whole timelines like there was like one timeline where Annie came back and she was like that pizza guy was so creepy and then another timeline where Britta comes back with the pizza guy and the pizza guy is like, or she's like, I'm going to marry the pizza guy. We're in love. And then the pizza guy goes, whoa, whoa, there's other timelines. And he just becomes part of the narrative. And I think that part is so funny, too. I would agree with that. There's a lot of good jokes. Um, and <clears throat> I didn't watch the episode as recently as everyone did um, to prepare for this. But I thought that there was one that I always think of that's funny um, that also has to do with Britta smoking in the bathroom. And um, <clears throat> doesn't she say, you know, he says it smells funny in there or something. I, I don't know if it's Troy or Abed. And she's like, you don't say that to somebody. It's not dignified. You know, like, I don't want to tell you what I was doing in there. But everyone knows she was smoking a cigarette. And that's the smell he was referring to, you know. But then um, it goes into sort of a bathroom joke. So um, I like that one, too. Yeah, I love that one, too. I think it was Abed who said that. And then I love, specifically at the end of the episode, when it's they're showing the worst timeline, the darkest timeline, and then it's just Abed is making everybody, like, go tease so that they can become evil and then overtake the best timeline and go find them. And so they become evil Troy and evil Abed. And that part is just, and then Pierce is somehow dead and (laughs) Shirley's a drunk and Jeff lost his arm somehow in the fire. They never explain that really. But that part is just like when it shows the darkest timeline, it's just so chaotic, but it's so good. And those of us who have watched the show all the way through know that this is a recurring theme in later seasons and later episodes. Um, they reference the darkest timeline and they even reference those specific character traits. You know, Jeff losing his arm and sh- uh, Shirley becoming a drunk. There's a whole episode further down the line where they're suppo- they supposedly meet these alternate selves of them, you know, and um, they see their alternate selves from the darkest timeline, which I think it's cool that they carry this theme through um, from one of their most beloved episodes. Yeah, I agree with that. It's so funny to see, like, the callbacks throughout the whole, like, that's what I love about this show. It focuses a lot on, like, jokes that are callbacks 
to one another, but they don't seem like it just because they happen so often and they just seem like regular jokes, but it's a callback to other parts. The show was really good about building that universe, like really small parts like that. Like you could watch one of the later episodes and still find it entertaining and still get what's going on. But there would be like those little Easter eggs throughout it for people who really remembered every single episode uh, that would get a little something extra out of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's like double impressive if the joke is like good to a novice. And then if you are already like loyal to the show, then you just like get an extra laugh out of it yeah but that's basically why i love this show so much and i'm probably gonna rewatch it throughout this whole madness so yeah and i would just say if any of our coworkers are like listening to this um and you haven't seen community it's a really great show to watch during this time it's you know um it's easy to get through you don't have to make, pay super close attention to it all the time you know um it's funny it's lighthearted, and it's something that'll like bring up your spirits i think mm-hmm. i really enjoyed it yeah i yeah. also would like to say i got one of our coworkers or uh, one of our volunteers to already start watching it shout out to henry he's watching it right now <laughs> so i'm trying to get everybody to watch community so they can understand my jokes <laughs> yeah i'm committed now I'm super excited to watch season five now. That'll be really good to check out what actually happens. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Any other final thoughts before we wrap this up? You guys have like a character that I de- you identify with most or just like a favorite, even if you don't identify with them. Ooh, that's a good question. Does anybody want to go first? I like, I mean, all of them. I think that the reason that um, you can sort of relate to all of them is because they're all sort of flawed, you know, um, and each of them maybe has more specific flaws. Um, but I guess if I have to relate to one character the most, I would say, like, I'm most similar to Annie. Um, but I think that my favorite might be Britta, just to watch her progression. Um, and I think that sometimes, like, her jokes or the timelines, like, or the uh, storylines surrounding her are maybe not as obviously funny, um, but I think that they're really funny, just, like, sort of in more of a low-key way. I think the one that I would identify most with would probably be just, like, instinctively, I think I'm most like Abed just because I'm always referencing stuff, whether people get that or not, and then I, like, make references to myself self too and people are just like what does that even mean but like mm-hmm. specifically I just watched an episode where uh Britta and Abed have like a side storyline and he's like oh it's like in Friends uh with Phoebe and Chandler they never had storylines together and I feel like that's something I would say in everyday conversations so I think that I identify most with Abed nice I think that's I think that's very on brand for you Maddie <laughs> I am um, I think I'm a mix of I'm gonna cringe saying this I think I'm a mix of Chang and Jeff. Actually, no, I'm going to cut Jeff and I'm going to say I'm Troy because that makes me feel better. (laughs) I have to ask why Chang? Chang is pure chaos and I am an agent of chaos. Yeah. So so that's where I would say that. I get a real kick out of um, Pierce's character. Like, just being a college student, specifically a business student, I have seen so many keynote speakers in my day, and he's just, like, the epitome of them. Like, always trying to 
like name drop someone important that has been their lifelong friend or they've hooked up with in the bathroom in the airport. Like (laughs) he's such a, he's so fun to make fun of and he's so real. I know a million dudes like him, not personally, but like I've seen them speak like at a podium. Jeremy, do you have any that you identify with or your favorite? I was going to say probably Pierce, right? Yeah, just, you know, saying odd stuff. No one understands what I'm talking about. Uh, a lot of Abed, too. Very nerdy. <laughs> I can see those both kind of a mix. Yeah, I feel like that's a good mix. Yeah, with the Pierce, he's just like, like people say things and he just goes, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> don't get at me. Yep, for <laughs> sure. With all the references and the nerdy stuff. But, yeah. Any other final thoughts? This was super fun. This was a great, I think, uh, first episode to kick off the series. It was good to watch it together, in a way. <laughs> Alone and together. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I yeah. Thanks yeah. for hosting, Maddie. Of course. Uh, anytime. And I'm so excited for our next episode, which, do we have it decided yet? I think it's going to be hosted by George, if I'm not Yes, mistaken. sir. We're going to watch... We're going to watch uh, FX's Terriers, which is available for streaming on Hulu. Ooh. So look up it's going to be a great, great time. And, I, and I'll plug one. So I also will be hosting one. Uh, it'll be a set day and time. Check out Pluto TV, free TV. They have a whole channel devoted to American Gladiators. So we're just going to watch an episode of American Gladiators and talk about how awesome it is. Uh, and, and we won't know ahead of time what it is or anything. We're just going to have to see and, and see what's on. So I'm pretty excited for that one, too. Yeah, so look out for more episodes of Social Night. I'm really excited about this because we're going to just keep on producing content no matter what happens. So, yeah, thank you all for joining us, and thank you all for listening.